This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. What's up, everybody? It's Thursday, October 20th, 1 o'clock. It's Hockey Central. It's also a Flames game day. We've also got some Flames news this morning. So we've got a busy show today talking lots about the Flames. They're facing off against the Buffalo Sabres tonight. And there's, that's one of 12 games around the league. So busy, busy schedule around uh, the news of the day. Dan Vladar signs a two-year contract extension. So we're going to get into that as well with uh, Logan Gordon. Again, I'm Haley Salvian. Logan rides shotgun with me. He's our producer. He's a host. He does all the things at Sportsnet 960. Uh, so he's here with me. Julian McKenzie is going to come in in a couple minutes, actually. He's he's ready right off the top. So we'll bring Julian McKenzie in. He's the new Flames beat writer for The Athletic. Talk to him about game day. Dan Vladar, anything Flames. Uh, Sean Gentili, he's a senior writer at The Athletic. He's also one of the podcast hosts on The Athletic Hockey Show. He's going to come in at around 140. He had a uh, the definitive ranking uh, of the reverse retro jerseys that dropped this morning. There were some leaks, so we saw some of these, um, but all 32 came out this morning. So he'll come on. We'll talk a bit about that. We'll take a look around the league because, again, there's a lot of games going on. So uh, Julian was going to come in around 3.05. We may as well bring him in right now. Let's bring in Logan. Let's bring in Julian. Uh, first, Logan, what's up? We'll just do a little roundtable off the top. That's fine. Sure. It'll be fun. We'll get into Vladar. We'll get into game day. Lots of Flames talk, so may as well just have everyone in here so you don't have to just listen to me ramble about it. So, Logan, what's up? Let's Not much. First. How are you, Haley? Good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm excited well. to do this with Julian too. And Julian's become my guy at the Saddle Dome. We're uh, we're besties down at the Dome on game days. That's my guy. Oh really, <laughs> <Yeah>. Julian? Is <laughs> That's that true? My guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's not making jokes about uh, black turtlenecks. <laughs> I wore one time. We happen to get along very well. Good to hear from you guys. Did you wear it with a little chain and like lean up against the banister? <sighs> I did not lean up against the banister with it. I did wear a chain and a suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's a good look. It's fall. Wear the turtleneck. The We're best good. thing is, is you weren't the first one to make that joke, Haley, as that was uh, a couple of people's comments around Nazem Kadri when we were taking pictures of his Stanley Cup ring. There was more than a few people wondering if Julian was going to use the same outfit for Halloween as he dressed up as The Rock. You know, I thought about doing it, too, and you guys decided to blow up my whole spot. I, I don't I don't <laughs> like you guys. Jeez. <laughs> I like it. I, I'm all in. I, you know, I will say yesterday going in the studio, I had my black long sleeve on and I put on a little gold chain to accessorize and I had a moment looking in the mirror like, mm, did I overdo it? Do I look like the rock right now? But it was just a long sleeve. It wasn't a turtleneck. So we're good. But anyways, it's a good fashion choice. Julian, I'm with you. I support you. Appreciate Logan, don't that. make fun of him. No, he it was, was a good look. Take care of him. It was a good look. It just <laughs> happened to resemble one of the most famous photos of all time. That's that's the only coincidence that I saw. Yeah. All right. He well, still nailed we got the lots look. of. Yeah. Perfect. I bet he did. We got lots of flames talk uh, this morning, and I will say thank you very much, the Calgary Flames, for announcing this before we got onto the show. Gave us about a half an hour of like, this is perfect. We're we're gonna get into this instead of dropping it, you know, two minutes or 
you know, right when we started. This is great. We love the planning. Thank you to the Calgary Flames. But they announced this afternoon that they've signed Dan Vladar to a two-year contract extension with a $2.2 million average annual value. He was set to be a restricted free agent this summer with arbitration rights. Um, so we're seeing Bradtree living again, working ahead. They don't have stuff to do during the season. They don't have a whole lot to do this summer. The only other RFA work that the Flames have this summer is Connor Mackey. Uh, so some nice tidy work already from Brad Tree Living. I like the deal. It's a nice raise on Vladar's uh, $750,000 salary that he currently makes. Solid backup. And this essentially shows, you know, the Flames have their number one, Jacob Markstrom, their number two goalies set for the next three seasons. Uh, plus you've got Dustin Wolf is the next man up playing with the Wranglers. Um, and what this also does is it just gives them stability in the back end in one of the most important positions. I'm a big, you know, I'm always one of the ones who, you know, the MVP of your team should be your goalie because they're the most important piece of your team. So they've got a ton of stability on the back end and it gives them time to allow Dustin Wolf to properly marinate with the Wranglers. There's no need to rush him to the NHL. And now they've got some nice stability in their one, two, three in the organizational depth chart in the goalie position. I like it. Julian, let's start with you. What do you think? Do we like the Dan Vladar extension? Yeah, uh, a lot of people around the team like, or at least just seeing the reaction online, a lot of people like it. And, and I'll say this about Dan Vladar. He's, he's looked so good in preseason and the, the little bit of time we've seen him in the regular season as well. He, he really, it's really early, but he could prove to be a reliable number two option for this Calgary Flames team going forward with that contract. And yeah, I think it's a decent amount of a decent amount of money too. Uh, two point two million AAV as well. You mentioned Dustin Wolf. He was the first person I thought about with this contract and 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 what it means for him and and his future. And you bring up an excellent point. You know, you don't have to rush him, even though he's looked as good as he's already looked. You don't have mm-hmm. to rush him to the big leagues. That being said, if Dustin Wolf, you know, continues to ascend in his trajectory, best goal in the HL last year. What if he just has, just continues to perform really well? And if he gets opportunities to, to be up to, you know, to play games with the Flames, he looks really good. Let's say the Flames are in a position where they say, you know what? Dustin Wolf is already ready to be in the fold behind Jacob Markstrom or splitting starts, whatever, whatever the situation may be. Dan Vladar at 2.2 million, not the worst contract in the world to offload. And Dan mm-hmm. obviously playing at a high level turns into, a trade ship. Not saying that's something the Flames should do right now. That's if it gets to that point. It's a palatable contract that uh, the Flames don't have to worry too much about in terms of offloading, I think. Just in case Dustin Wolf continues to, you know, ascend and defy all expectations. But otherwise, dude gets to be the guy in the AHL for the next little while and and just need, and can, can, can continue to develop without any pressure of being rushed into the big leagues. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Logan. Where are you, where are you at on Dan Vladar? I like the deal. I don't think it's a crazy amount of money for a solid backup. I think I agree with Julian on the trade front. Um, but I also do think, you know, another couple years of seasoning for Dustin Wolf is totally fair. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who has shown that all he's done is, is win when it matters and win hockey games and kind of prove people wrong because everyone wants to talk about the fact that he's what five foot nine. Um, but Dustin Wolf's done done a really good job, but I do think the adjustment jumping to the NHL for a smaller goalie is is a thing. Um, 
but you can table that. I'm a big fan of Dustin Wolf. Again, I think all he's done is prove what he can do. But, Logan, where are you at on the Vladar extension? Seems like we're all thumbs up so far. Yeah, I'd like to disagree, but I really can't. I think this just makes a lot of sense <laughs> based on everything that Dan Vladar has done since coming into the organization. It's even more value for the Flames for that third-round pick that they sent to Boston to get Vladar uh, a couple of seasons ago now, and it kind of lines up nicely with how Jacob Markstrom's contract goes, too. He's still got three years after this, but of course, you know, he'll start to get a little bit older, and his future will become a little clearer in the next couple years as well. It, it kind of lines Dan Vladar up in a nice spot to be 27 when this contract is done, and like Julian said, if there's a moment where you have to, you know, you say, look, Dustin Wolf's proven everything, the next challenge has to be the NHL. I don't think given where the salary cap appears to be going when that escrow is paid up maybe by the end of the year, that $2.2 million on a potential 26- or 27-year-old goaltender is going to be prohibitive for Brad Living to move out at all. And in the meantime, I think you're more than happy to play to pay Dan Vladar $2.2 million to be the backup for Jacob Markstrom and potentially you know, ease that workload for him in the regular season and give you an opportunity to win every night. That's kind of what Dan Vladar has done since he got here, it's a kind of a no-brainer for me. This one makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to note, too, I mean, we are all fans of Dustin Wolf, but what this also does is if maybe he does not pan out a, as a capable backup, as a capable starter in the NHL and Jacob Markstrom's contract ends, you've got Dan Vladar still. He will be an unrestricted free agent, I believe, when this contract is up. So this brings him to his UFA years, but it also gives you the opportunity to say, okay, you know what, maybe we just bring Dan Vladar back on another contract in Calgary. Um, but that's something that's three years down the road. But I think the overarching thing here is you've got three good goalies under team control for the foreseeable future. Dan Vladar has three more years. As you mentioned, Jacob Markstrom has uh, he's on, on this six-year contract extension that he signed, uh, and Dustin Wolf is, has got a lot of team control as well. He had that entry-level slide in 2020-21, so he's only on the second year of his entry-level contract, and he still needs three more years for arbitration, and his UFA years are, are way down the line. So you've got three good goalies right now under team control, so things look great. I do want to touch on some of the cap implications because you did mention, Logan, um, is the cap going to go up with escrow? So right now, the Flames do have Vladar, Uyghur, and Huberto coming on the books next season. Um, with those three, right now on Cat Friendly, the Flames have $81.7 million committed to 17 players. That gives the, them about $1.78 million in cap space. However, that's assuming an $83.5 million cap. So that's what we need to kind of look at here is, so last summer teams were told to expect the cap to go up by $1 million in 2023-24, and then hopefully to 87 and a half, 88 in 2024-25. But at the Board of Governors meetings the other day, the commissioner indicated there is, quote, a good probability the escrow balance will be paid off by the end of this season. And we know the escrow balance is the money owed from the players to the owners because revenues dropped during the pandemic, uh, because almost entirely due to games without fans. So it seems like, and this is from Elliot Friedman, that Bettman... The commissioner, Gary Bettman, I should say. I mean, everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say Bettman. Uh, he's optimistic about revenue targets for, for this year. So if the players pay off 
the escrow, and he says it's, quote, going to be close, the cap could go up to around $86 million next season. If not, the projections will revert back and only go up about a million to that 83 and a half, where the Flames would have under $2 million in cap space. But if the escrow is paid off, the Flames will have over $4 million in space to work with. Um, obviously, it's quite a jump, a couple million dollars here. Um, but I, I think even, and I'll throw this to you, Julian or Logan, whoever wants to jump in, because I love nerding out on cap stuff, so you guys can cut me off at any time. Um, but I think it's, it's really interesting. Me. Yeah. We love, we love salary cap. But I think, you know, whether it's 1.7, whether it's 4.3 million in space, whatever that ends up being, I still think the Flames are in a good space, even with all that money on the books, because they have 17 players under contract right now. Again, Connor Mackey is the only restricted free agent that needs to be on the books, that needs a new contract. And then you've got some UFA guys. Uh, Milan Lucic is off the books. You've got um, Michael Stone. You've got uh, Trevor Lewis, et cetera, Brett Ritchie. So what the Flames have is their high-paid core players already locked in. So even with all these contracts on the books, the Flames have a little bit of money, or maybe a bit more if it goes up, to work in the bottom of the lineup. Like, I think regardless, they're going to be okay. We're not talking about re-signing Andrew Mangipani, um, or Oliver Shillington or whoever it may be to big contracts like we were last summer. We're talking about working around the edges because the core is locked in and paid. So regardless of Ladar getting 2.2 or 1.8, I think the Flames are going to be all right when it comes to the salary cap. Yeah. Like, if you're, say, you mentioned the point about fill, filling out the bottom part of that lineup. <laughs> You say like Milan Lucic off the books, they don't bring him back next year. Uh, you you allow another roster space to be opened up for a guy. Say for example, say for example, Jacques Pelletier is able to come up. That guy's signed through 2024 at less than a million dollars. Connor Zary is signed through 2025 at less than a million dollars. Same deal for for Cole Swindon. And yes, those are all ELCs. You can fill out those roster spots with ELCs and and with that extra space. And on top of the fact you've already done all that work extending guys like Jonathan Huberdo and, and Mackenzie Weger, you still have enough space to to play with, you know, just in case if you want to make a move and 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 maybe upgrade a, a top nine position and accommodate some salary here and there. Yeah, when you consider the fact that there is there there is a potential of having that extra space at least for next year. Uh, the Calgary Flames. Look as if they're going to be in decent shape. Of course, things could change between now and then. But, you know, if I was ever a GM, I would love the idea of having just a little bit of space and not just hugging up against the cap. But uh, the potential mm-hmm. here, if things work out, is is that Bradford Living could have a little bit more to play with uh, with that salary cap if it turns out that we will see the $4 million bump in, in, in the salary cap as expected for next year. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think it's great. Um, let's move on because I, unless there, you know, Logan, is there anything you want to add about Vidar? I think we're all on the same page though. We can move on to the game tonight. Calgary Flames taking on the Buffalo Sabres. Logan, you good? Yeah, all good. Let's talk about tonight. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So Flames taking on the Buffalo Sabres tonight. It's their fourth game of the season. I guess a little bit of a, an exhale after playing against teams like Colorado, Edmonton. 
Vegas, but you don't want to let it be a trap game because um, the Buffalo Sabres did go into Edmonton on Tuesday night and beat the Oilers 4-2. to two. Eric Comrie had a great game. We talked to Matthew Fairburn, one of the Buffalo Sabres beat writers about that game yesterday, and he teed up this matchup. So if you didn't hear that conversation and you want to hear more from the Sabres side of things, you can listen to that conversation with Matthew Fairburn on demand. Hockey Central is wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc., so you can check that out there. But I think what's interesting is it seems like Comrie is going to start tonight. Uh, Don Granado said this morning it was an easy call after his game against Edmonton on Tuesday. He made 30, he made 46 saves on 48 shots. Um, didn't let Drysaddle or McDavid score on him. So the Flames are going to be seeing Eric Comrie tonight. Uh, and it seems like Jacob Markstrom has the starters crease. Julian, what uh, what do you think about that goalie matchup? Are we surprised it wasn't Vladar? I think maybe the thought was with Vladar getting one start per week that you would see Dan against Buffalo, Markstrom against Carolina. But I said this yesterday, if anyone wants to try to predict what Daryl Sutter's doing, it's kind of a fool's errand because he's going to he's gonna do his thing. What do you think about the goalie matchup tonight? Yeah, I, I, I you know... I think it makes sense from a continuity standpoint in the fact that Dan Vladar played last Saturday, so it's a bit of a constant thing that he gets to play the Saturday after. So that's why, that's how I've made it made sense in my head, essentially, that it's just, it does at least kind of fall into some kind of routine, and we know how hockey players get about routines. But otherwise, I would have totally put Dan Vladar in against the Buffalo Sabres tonight and then let Jacob Markstrom go up against the Carolina Hurricanes on the weekend. Um, that being said, uh, I, I think the Flames are a bit aware that uh, there is a potential of a trap game. I know uh, in talking to Michael Backlund earlier today, he was very complimentary of the Sabres and how they played uh, the Flames last season. And I, I think they're they're looking, they're expecting a team that could you know play them pretty well, at least show some speed and 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 try to put them on their heels. Obviously, the Flames will try to defend them really well and have they have the firepower that they have. But you're not seeing a, a Flames team, and look, uh, NHL teams will naturally do this, of course. They're not trying to play the, the Buffalo Sabres lightly. Even Daryl Sutter as well uh, comment was very complimentary of, of, of how young and talented of a team that they are. So they, they we see the warning signs of trap game. The Flames are trying their absolute <laughs> best, at least in talking to us, uh, that uh, they are not going to fall for that trap game. But, you know, the game still needs to be played. Yeah, and you know what? I... I... I don't think I am surprised at all that it is Markstrom against Buffalo and Dan probably going against Carolina if we believe that Daryl is going to continue to have him play once per week because those are the three games the Flames are playing this week. The next game after Saturday is Tuesday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, but we saw Daryl Sutter do this a lot last year, and Logan, I can bring you in too in terms of the goalie deployment. I mean, we saw, I mean, he even did it in the season opener, or the, not the season opener, excuse me, but the game against Edmonton. Most people thought they were going to see Jacob Markstrom play against the Oilers, and, and he went with Dale and Vladar, and Vladar was up to the task, and, and we saw that last season as well with Vladar getting games in Colorado um, twice. There was the two games in March um, where everyone thought, yeah, we're going to see Jacob Markstrom against Darcy Kemper, and it was Dan Vladar, Dan Vladar. Uh, we also saw Vladar going against, um, you know, Vegas, although I, I believe the game he went against Vegas was uh, he, he went in after Markstrom got pulled. So that's not the best example, but we've seen this from Sutter before. Um, you know, in early October, I remember I was on that road trip, and it was Vladar's first start of the year 
was in Washington on the second half of a back-to-back, and it was on that really long Eastern Conference road trip um, at the beginning of the season in October, and Vladar comes in, plays against the Capitals, one of the you know projected best teams in the league, and, and he wins that game in overtime. That was the, the great Elias Lindholm overtime mm-hmm. winner effort game. Um, so we've seen this from before. We've seen Vladar getting put into spots um, that you maybe don't expect and seeing him come up to the task. So um, that's maybe a conversation for tomorrow with the Carolina Hurricanes game um, and the Canes coming to town, but we can probably expect Vladar on Saturday. Am I off there, Logan? What do you no, think? I, no, I think it's totally fair. I think it's I, – I wonder, Julian, if you'll pick up on this as much this year as well. But, Haley, I know you being on the beat here in Calgary a little bit more. It's interesting how Daryl's used Vladar, and I kind of wonder if he uses it as a way to help his team sort of get up for these big games against tough opponents. Because he, the mm-hmm. perfect example to me is the Colorado games – last year where he put Vladar in twice on the road in Denver, I believe, and yeah. he performed pretty well in those matchups. I wonder if this isn't the coach just trying to say, hey, look, guys, we know we got a good opponent. We're going to have to be on our defensive details, our backup goaltenders in there, and I think that that's, you know, maybe just a bit of the psychology of it more than anything because I don't think that Dan, you know, projects as a goaltender now, especially that needs a bunch of extra defensive help from his group when he's in there. But I wonder mm-hmm. if that's not how Sutter plays it a bit, because you're right. He, he doesn't have a tendency to just put his backup goaltender in against these quote-unquote you know, softer opponents. He's very apt to put them in against some of the best in the league, and that usually turns out pretty good for Dan and the team. He's performed well in those situations, but uh, I just I look at it and I wonder if it's not something that Daryl's using as a way to sort of make sure his team is on the details because Jacob Markstrom isn't in the net and you have to pay attention. I mean, Carolina's a great opponent, uh, and it wouldn't stun me if, if Dan did get the start just based on, A, how well he's been playing, and B, as you sort of laid out there, Haley, the, the record and the track record that Daryl Sutter has putting him in these moments. Mm-hmm. Can I make a bold Last prediction? Point on, yeah, go for it. We love bold predictions bold. here. I don't know if it's bold or not, but just looking at the schedule, and unless I'm missing something, so we have Carolina on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then Pittsburgh comes into town for Calgary on Tuesday, and then no other games until Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. Considering the fact that Dan Vladar has already played against the Edmonton Oilers, doesn't this open this up for a back-to-back Dan Vladar situation, potentially, if it follows the what Daryl Sutter is trying to do? So if Jacob Markstrom goes tonight, that would mean in our heads that Dan mm-hmm. Vladar would play against Carolina on Saturday and then plays Pittsburgh Tuesday, and then lets Jacob Markstrom play the Oilers on Saturday. Remember, there are only three matchups in the Battle of Alberta this season, and Dan Vladar already getting one. That would lead me to think at least Jacob Markstrom has to get one. And I don't know if you want to have Jacob Markstrom only playing one game against the Oilers this year. But, look, I I could totally be wrong on it, but that's just my, my guess my, my, I have a, it's a guess. I think it's a pretty good guess, but <laughs> I could totally be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we really saw Markstrom play against Colorado last year, as we were talking about. They didn't have many games against the Avs, and so that's something that we have seen in terms of the goalie deployment from Daryl is, is Markstrom actually not going up against the team that we thought he would. Um, I don't think he played against Colorado at all last season, unless there was a game early in the year that he got in the net because Vladar played those two games against the Avs last season. 
um, that were the kind of pleasant surprise. So maybe we're seeing Daryl flip that switch with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, maybe he's going to see what Vladar can do up against them, see see what happens there. I'm not sure. As I said, I, I it's a fool's errand trying to guess what uh, <laughs> Daryl Sutter is going to do sometimes um, because we know that uh, he's got his message and he's got his playbook and if he wants you to know it, he will tell you. And if you ask him a question or you go there and he's not <laughs> open and interested to talking about it, he is not going to answer that question. Uh, so we'll today. see what happens. Oh, did you try to ask something? Yeah, I tried to ask. Do we have the audio? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fully, like, I asked if Jacob Archer was playing because, uh, our good buddy Aaron Vickers asked, uh, if, uh, Noah Hannifin was playing and he got it probably out of it. Uh, but, mm. uh, the fact that, uh, it didn't, uh, it didn't burn Aaron Vickers, I guess. Just, I figured, why not ask Markstrom about Markstrom? And, uh, well, I got burned. So. Yeah. Why would I tell you that? It's all right. Yeah. It was, uh, it was tough. That's okay. Yeah. A lot of coaches are going against the, uh, the telling media about the starting goalie thing now and, yeah, whatever. I, I feel like that happened to me in Ottawa. I just kind of stopped asking. You know, we would ask DJ Smith all the time when I was the sense writer, and he's just like, eh, I don't think I'm going to tell you guys that today. Uh, so don't take it personally. It's not just a no. Daryl thing. Coaches don't want to talk about that stuff anymore. Um, the final point about Vladar, and I do think it's interesting. I am curious if you'd see Vladar against Pittsburgh or Edmonton. My initial thought with that is we saw Markstrom have an incredible game against the Penguins last season in Pittsburgh. I was on that game. It was that same road trip. And he made so many saves. The The team played terribly. And that was one of the examples of Markstrom just stealing a game for the Calgary Flames against the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh last year. So that's what comes to mind first to me. So I'm almost inclined to think we're going to see Markstrom in that game just because of that. But again, we'll see. Final point on Vladar before we dig more into this uh, Sabres conversation with you, Julian, is the quotes from <laughs> the day today in Calgary. Um, just him talking about the signing, um, saying that... You know, I love the group, being in the locker room. I like the goalie coaches. This is the one that got me. This is probably the best thing that could ever happen to me. Um, really lovely. I think Pat Steinberg has the audio of the conversation with Dan Vladar, so you can hear that on Flames Talk later this afternoon with Steinberg on Sportsnet 960. The other one that got me was, you know, how did this all come together so quickly? This is the peek behind the curtain of Dan Vladar's contract extension. His agent calls him with the offer that Brad Tree Living made. Dan Vladar thought for three seconds and said, yep, <laughs> and signed it. It's awesome. It's great. I think that's, it's so lovely. Um, you know, I think that's probably a great thing for fans to hear that it took a guy three seconds to decide he wants to lock in with the Calgary Flames for the next two years and be here for three seasons. So I just thought that was a really nice point to make about Dan Vladar. And he's probably one of the nicest hockey players I've ever talked to. He's just so lovely. Always makes a point to say hello. So you're happy for him as a person, his family, etc. So Vladar is here for the next three years. Uh, Julian, looking at this Sabres matchup, you already kind of talked a bit about the trap game. Uh, Noah Hannafin probably going to play. That's from Daryl Sutter today, even though he didn't skate this morning, didn't practice yesterday. Um, is there a level of concern with Hannafin? He's looked fine. So maybe this is just a precautionary, giving him rest days where you can, because he's looked fine on the ice. What's your take on what's going on with Hannafin? 
Yeah, I think he looks okay, and until we somehow hear from somebody that he's not fine, I feel as if just everyone else kind of has to go business as usual. It is a bit peculiar to me with how he's been deployed. I mean, he he's played this week. There have been some days where he has not shown up. Well, it's weird to say not show up for practice, but he was not skating on the ice with his players. Uh, the I think earlier this week there was a morning skate he did participate in, but he doesn't partake in today's morning skate, which is very optional. So you know, maybe he is taking that time to rest up whatever's going on. Uh, I know in talking with George Russick earlier this week, he, he observed something in the Battle of Alberta game where he did kind of get hit, and maybe it's something off of that. But until we see otherwise, I'm not sure if there is any massive level of concern for Noah Hannafin. I, I think if we were in a situation where he wasn't playing any games, he wasn't playing a lot, not practicing at all, much different story, but this could, could this could just be a situation where maybe he did pick up a bit of a knock and he could still play through it, but he just needs that extra time just to recuperate. So unless there's a really big, unless he's not so he's unless he's not partaking in practice and he's not playing in games, it's kind of hard for me to get really up in arms about oh well where's Noah Hannafin is he healthy and all that like I'm gonna wait yeah. until I see something a little bit more concrete. Absolutely. I think it's probably unfair to, to even speculate on, on the status of someone until they come out and say something or team comes out and says something. So, uh, again, we heard from Daryl today that he is, quote, probably going to play. And that's when it comes to Noah Hannafin on the blue line. Um, is today the day that the top line scores at five on five, Julian? Um, I'm going to say yes. Why not? Uh, it is intriguing <laughs> that uh, this line has not scored at five on five, but they have produced in different ways on the power play. And we would be looking at this very differently if the Flames had a one and two record as opposed to three oh and oh. But yeah, I, I think we're still seeing that line still trying to come together. I, I can imagine if you're if you're Elias Lindholm and you have you have the lines you had last year and you're still trying to adjust to Tyler Toffoli and, and Jonathan Ubaldo you know, you're thinking like, man, like this is this is a bit difficult. I think he's acknowledged that there's some difficulties in that. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you're seeing uh, the second line with Madrapani, Dubé, and, and Kadri. They're they're flying out there, as far as I'm concerned. And then, of course, the rest of the depth has been able to carry them. And that's another reason why it hasn't been as much of a worry uh, with with regards to the first line because we've seen the depth of the Calgary Flames uh, show up in 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 moments over these last few games. And look, if the Flames were up three, were up three had three wins through their tally, and they did this against much lesser opponents, we, of course, would be talking about them differently. But the fact that they were able to get these wins over Vegas, Colorado, and Edmonton, and they found ways to come back in some of those games, too. So they had a little bit of adversity. There's no better... I mean, the only other thing you really need is that top line to get going. But other than that, there's no better way, I think, for a team to start off their season. It's a long year, obviously, but you're getting some of those challenges... Uh, out the way. So that way, when you encounter them later on in the year, you're not going to encounter any inexperience on that front. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, Logan and I were talking yesterday, and we thought that the game against Vegas was a nice example of, of you know, things should be fine on that top line because Tyler Tripoli, he had five shots on goal. He had eight individual shot attempts he was in and around it all night sure he only converted on the power play but he was there he had his chances he had some high danger looks he had some good looks uh logan thompson played great you know 
Uh, Eric Comrie's going to be in. He had a good game against Edmonton, so we'll see what happens there. But I think, you know, it's not time to, to panic about that first line at all. I, it, things take some time. Um, and, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, one thing from the text line I wanted to read that went back to the uh, conversations about the goalies, just because we got a couple messages in here. And if you want to join the conversation with us, you can do that at uh, 960, 960. Um, we got some about, you know, Markstrom struggled versus the Oilers in the past. You know, despite how good he was last year, he had a, he had a tough time against Edmonton. Um, so, you know, maybe we see what Dan Vladar can do against the Oilers. That's a good point to make. We had a couple people say that. So maybe we see Markstrom against Pittsburgh, Vladar against the Oilers. Maybe see what that swap against Edmonton can do because we all know what happened against the Oilers, specifically in the playoffs. Markstrom had an 8.52 save percentage, conceded more than uh, 7.76 more goals than expected. Uh, wasn't great. So we'll see what happens there. Last question for you, Julian, before we had to break, because uh, Sean Gentili's coming up on the show at 140. We're going to get into the reverse retro jerseys, take a look around the league. Julian and, and Logan, you can hop in, too, because I haven't gone to you in a while. Um, but we're one week into the season. Flames have wins against Colorado, Edmonton, Vegas. It's still early, and you mentioned some of what you've liked, but what is the one thing that has stood out to you? about the Flames thus far, whether it's just something that's been really impressive or someone who surprised you, like being here in person and watching the Flames. I know for me last year, seeing Mangiapane play in person was kind of like, a, oh, wow. Like I knew that he was kind of underrated. I knew he was good, but watching Mangiapane on a day-to-day basis, I was like, oh, yeah, people don't get it. People don't get it with this guy yet. Same with Elias Lindholm. Um, is there anything that stood out like that to you in your first week of games covering the Calgary Flames. Man, I feel like there's a lot because there's so many guys on this team. Like just being in the Western Conference as a guy who spent most of my life in the Eastern Conference, there's so mm-hmm. much to take in, right? Like I'm in a situation where I could watch uh, the Calgary Flames and, and, and other teams in that division so much more often than what I'm used to. So it's, it's hard to pin down just one thing. Like, like one guy like Dylan Dubé, for example, the strength of this guy, uh, just with what he's able to do on the boards and, and, and play similarly to Andrew Mangiapane and Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri is another guy I'm, I'm really, uh, surprised about just with oh, he's his so fun quickness, to watch. his skill and, yeah. and, and how annoying he is on the ice. Like, <laughs> look, I, I know I've propped up that line pretty much ever since the preseason. But they really look good, all three of them together. Um, yeah, that's like the biggest thing I would want to say. I mean, Jonathan Huberto, I know I've been kind of going back and forth on Huberto, Huberto, you guys have to allow me on that one. It's just a <laughs> Quebec thing. But like, I'm really like, it's been inter- it's been intriguing looking at him because there's been instances where he's trying to set his teammates up and like his guys can't get that pass. Like he's still trying to find the mm-hmm. sweet spot with, with Tyler Toffoli and even Elias Lindholm for a second. But in the last, in the last game against Vegas, and I think a little bit in Edmonton too, the opposite is also happening too, where his teammates are trying to find John or trying to find you, Baldo. And like, he's also trying to figure that out. Like he, right. like there was like two chances against Edmonton where he's trying to finish a one timer and he can't get it. It's really early. It's going to take time for him to, properly adjust that way i get it he's still a really talented player but yeah like that like that's like a really that's something that stood out for me but like there's no denying his skill and the passing ability that is that he has the vision like he's he's a heck of a player and as soon as that top line starts to connect man at even strength 
I feel like it's going to be a big relief off of their shoulders when they get that because that's when they know uh, they'll be on the right track. Amazing. Thank you, Julian. That's all the time we have. So, Logan, I'll bring you in on the next one. You can, I, I know you love talking about jerseys and stuff. So, Logan, we'll bring you in with, with Sean Gentilly and we can get into the reverse retros because we're out of time for this block. Julian, thank you so much for, for joining us for our impromptu little round table. I appreciate the insight. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks so much and tell Sean I say hi. Okay, I will. There goes Julian McKenzie on the Atlas Pizza Hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Coming up next, we've got Sean Gentilly, national writer at The Athletic. We'll go around the league, talk reverse retros. That's coming after the break. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back. It's Hockey Central. It was a great uh, little roundtable. Impromptu. wasn't really planned, but Julian showed up early. Logan. I always want to bring Logan in. So it was great. Nice little Flames chat, right, Logan? Julian was great. I like having him on. Yeah, Julian's my guy. I told you, Julian's my guy. I always yeah. like chatting with him. You guys are the new Haley and Pat. I don't know that we'll ever quite be there. There's, there's really only one Haley and Pat for a number right. of reasons, but That's we're we're like we're like reverse retro 2.0. That's there what we you are. go. Oh, the perfect segue, because we're going to get into the reverse retros. That's a big story this morning. The NHL releases all 32 reverse retro jerseys for all 32 teams. Uh, some of them I really like. Some of them I think were really boring. Others I thought, did you, uh, you, you know, you moved a couple stripes around. Don't love it. Um, Sean Gentilly, it looks like he got a, you know, a sneak peek on these jerseys because he had a full story ranking all 32 of them that dropped right when the jerseys did. Hmm. There's no way he wrote that fast. A uh, little bit of inside baseball. Clearly he had a, had a peek. So let's bring Sean Gentilly in on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. We'll talk a bit about some of those jerseys because Logan, I'm sure you have some thoughts as well. Maybe you can give us some context on the Flames one. Uh, so, Sean, what's up? All right, so wait a second. You had Julian on. You had Logan on. The three of you seem like you had a great time. I feel like I've been left out of the uh, Dean Vladar extension spectacular that you had to start the show. I'm hurt. Do you have an opinion that you would like to share other than this is really good work by Broadtree Living or... Dan Vladar seems like a sweetie pie. He seems like a great dude. I feel like you guys he, should have leaned into that harder. I talked about it. I said, you know what, I should have said it sooner. It should have been the first thing we brought up because the quotes from him. And this is why uh, Pat and I are in a fight because he has the audio for his show, uh, Flames Talk, which goes in a couple hours on Sports at 960. And we tried to get it, and Pat's keeping it for his show. And I, I word for word, texted Logan, like, oh, my God, the quotes from Vladar are so lovely. Can we please run this? And... uh if anyone wants to hear that, you'll hear it from Pat Steinberg. Or you can hear a dramatic reading from Sean Gentilly right now of Dan Vladar saying, it took me three seconds to sign. <laughs> Just trouble, trouble in paradise. Pat's holding down on you guys. I thought you were friends. I know. Me too. But it's fine. But no, the Vladar contract's great. I said, I'm happy. I'm happy to see that uh, Vladar is, is lovely. And, and again, I'm sure it's, it's great for Flames fans to see somebody say it took them three seconds to, to sign a contract based on some of the, Theatrics that happened this summer. Um, but yeah, sorry to leave you out. We, we want to talk to you about the jerseys. It's fine. Uh, yeah, okay. Because you have opinions on them. I checked out. 
the reverse retro ranking. You did all uh, 32. Um, what's your favorite? Like, what's your least favorite? What What do you think of this batch of jerseys this year? I thought the f- original reverse retros were better, personally. Um, but I yeah. don't know. There's some There's some gems in here. I feel like it's strong at the top, and then it gets mushy pretty quick. I, I think what we're seeing here, this is, you know, the second reverse retro jersey for a lot of teams, like the Flames. The Flames are a great example. Like, they had a no-brainer choice for the first one. It's blasty. You bring them back. Everybody's happy about it. Did no, well enough, no, they, they're not. Some people what? hate blasty, no? so okay, be careful. Well, well, okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay, fine, fine. I'm, I'm coming at <laughs> Watch I'm, it. That's like a total... <laughs> That's like a total window into my age, I feel like. There's like anybody under a certain age is gonna is gonna be like, What the hell is this? And anybody and anybody over a certain age is gonna have hated it when when it dropped. But either way, that's like for the project at least, mm-hmm. bringing back Blasty like was kind of the only choice. Right? And it worked out well enough where they to some degree where they you know, it's the it's the permanent third now. But now yeah. for them and I think a lot of other teams kinda of ran into this problem, it's like uh, what do we do? We gotta, <laughs> we we gotta cook something up again. Like, uh, let's. What, what are the options here? So that, and so I'm sorry, I will back. cut you off, Logan. Yeah. Can you? Can, sorry, Sean. Logan, can you provide some context on the pedestal flames jersey? Because it's a thing, obviously, but I think people are like, oh. Well, yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's 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 a look that <laughs> lives in infamy here in Calgary, kind of like Blasty did. For a while, and, and some people kind of either love it or, or hate it. For some people, it's way too busy, and you need to remove all the striping, and maybe they'd be happy. But for others like me, I kind of like an updated look on a classic, and I'm okay with it. But that's kind of, to Sean's point in all of this, I think where if you don't have a lot of defined jersey eras in your history the people in charge of these might have to get a little creative and that might not be everyone's strong suit. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I mean I mean Logan like the pedestal jersey like were you even alive when they were wearing that? No, like, I was not. I mean this is like Yeah. Yeah, like they, they had to go way 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 back for these, right? So and I and I think that's kind of kind of a problem you, you saw a lot of teams run into honestly where it's like the wells dry in terms of pre-existing ideas because that's the thing and that's like why at some point they're going to have to pivot away from this and go back to like future looking jerseys is because not every team has an unlimited you know like the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins they've worn a gazillion jerseys over over the course of their franchise history right they have like an, an unlimited number they're lucky that's not true for for most original six teams it's not true for the Flames because the Flaming Sea works right they, they, they've never needed to, to differentiate or or, uh, or, or or change from all, from it all that much so yeah the, the Wells kind of tapped I think we saw some good ones at the top but they get pretty, pretty, pretty average and pretty boring pretty quickly. What about the 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 rich, rich history of the Seattle Kraken's retro jersey? <laughs> Isn't that that's a, they should be exempt? They should not be allowed to participate in this. Like how well slapped on a couple I more mean, colors? Yeah, and they did. You know, I I thought okay. So Adidas sent us all the stuff. They sent us all the photos. They sent us the fact sheet where they did their little explanations of. You know what year it came from and what and what it's supposed to look like. The fact sheets were actually super helpful because they didn't go into like pure. The, the the cool thing to do now when you read it on your jerseys is have explanations for everything and you have like 
the, the the system of design notebook and this and it's like power it's like huge decks and huge documents where everything is explained within an inch of its life. We didn't really get that with these looks, but the closest we came was the Kraken because it was like, oh yeah, the eye kind of peaks above sea level. Uh, it's supposed to look like water. <laughs> like they're just totally totally making up as they as they went along. But yeah, they they don't need it's it's year two. They they don't need anything. Just keep the whites and the and the navies around for for a little bit more. My problem with some of these, and I know some of them are a throwback to a jersey that they wore, that a team wore at a different point. But for me, it's like if I can't tell the difference, like if you just slapped on a different shoulder pad, yeah. or if it's just the if it's just the letters of your team diagonally across the sweater, I'm like I I don't care. I had to Google the Carolina Hurricanes jerseys to understand what was different with that one specifically. I was like, I thought they already wore this. <laughs> that was my totally. problem with Carolina. Those were like, those were the worst ones for me were the ones where it's like, is this just, are these different? Like how, di- like, that's why I had the Leafs last. Those are, well, the those Leafs are, ones are particularly white... funny because those were the jerseys there's they wore white... when they won in 67. Yeah. So. Right. Everyone loves to be reminded <laughs> they're, of They're that. bringing good <laughs> luck to the Toronto yeah. Leafs. But like that group, the group, you know, right ahead of them, it's like, Columbus, where they just took an original third and made the black parts blue and the blue parts black. And it's da- Dallas, where it's like, are these just straight up ones that they wore in 1997? Like on and on. Those are the ones that I just had no interest in. And for me, that was like the bottom, you know, bottom ten or so of of my of, of my group there. The Flyers ones um, looked cool, and then they showed the Cooperalls, and I lost my yeah. mind. Where the pants? You cowards! Yes. They, they, <laughs> Please, truly—that's truly gutless stuff from from them. Like, why bring back the pants if you don't? If you're not going to wear them during the games? And yeah, I know there's safety yeah. concerns and players would hate it. Whatever, do it for our entertainment. Lean in. Let's go. The other one, the other one, by the way, the other like the, the other bit of design stuff that you couldn't really tell just from looking at it is one of those diagonal ones. It's Vegas. They have like glow in the dark. Yeah like black light activated stuff on, on there. So I'll be interested to see, I'll be interested to see how that works out because we, we were told whenever Vegas first brought out their gold jerseys that they would sparkle and look great on TV and whatever. And those are just, that's just mustard, dude. Those, those don't look like anything. (laughs) The, the Vegas jerseys right now. Um, yeah, they look, they look bad on TV. I'm not a fan. Um, I know there's a lot around the jerseys. We got Logan's touch on the Flames one. I do want to ask, we have a couple more minutes here with you, Sean, before we got to get out of the show. And again, I'll remind everybody that if you're not listening live, if you missed some of it, you want to hear the whole conversation, you can listen to Hockey Central On Demand or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. Um, but, Sean, you're not just the Jersey correspondent. You're a national writer at The Athletic. You've done a ton of stuff this week. Uh, you looked at the ref's view of that Maple Leafs hand pass controversy. We don't have to talk about that. Um, I Thank feel you. like there's been enough uh, Toronto talk lately. <laughs> yep. um, and I yep. don't want to talk about the Sheldon Keefe stuff because it just blows my mind that people are upset uh, that a coach kind of called out his players for losing to the Arizona Coyotes. Maybe I've spent too much time in Calgary where, you know what, the coach calls someone out and you're like, yeah, that's fair. You know what? I get it. I don't get it. The whole controversy, it's stupid. I don't want to talk about it because we have three minutes and I'm going to get really mad. Um, yes. then, stop, <laughs> then let's stop, let's stop talking yeah, about I'm it. I'm moving then, on. I'm moving on. Um, 
But one thing I wanted to ask you, um, you had a story this on Monday, NHL coaching hot seat. I know it's early. We're a week into the season, but wow, there are some teams who had expectations that are falling short. Is there a coach that you have legitimate fears for in the next, in these like early stretches of the month? And I will keep in mind that I think Jim Rutherford uh, did talk today or yesterday where he said it's too small of a sample size to really analyze a team but there there's some there's some seats getting pretty warm i think yeah i think the implication what jim said there is like yeah uh sample size is small but it's also terrible so by the time we get to a larger sample size they need to they need to write this shift i think if i were to do that today this is we're four days you know four days out from, from the original run date i think i might have bruce Boudreau a little bit higher. And a lot, a lot of the, oh, a lot of that list, by the way, it's not just throwing darts. Like this is based on stuff mm-hmm. we kind of heard, you know, during the off season. It's not just based on two games, two games worth of stuff. And every, every bit we heard coming out of Vancouver was that, you know, this wasn't a seamless marriage between Bruce Boudreaux and Jim Rutherford. Like the mm-hmm. organization hired him before Rutherford was on board. So this isn't like a handpicked guy for Rutherford. And it took Boudreaux forever to pick up his, uh, coach option for for the season for a reason, right? So there's some uneasiness there. You mix in how ugly, you know, the results have been for them early, A, and B, how frustrated Bruce already is. And, I mean, you can connect the dots there that things things could certainly be going better. And if I did that today versus, you know, writing it on Sunday night, I feel like I would have had him, had him a, a little bit farther on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, final 60 seconds here, Sean. You are one half of the power rankings duo. I know you liked the Calgary Flames in the preseason. Mm-hmm. First power rankings coming out tomorrow. We got a couple seconds. Can you give us a preview of your top three? Calgary's in it. Do I need to go farther than that? I haven't no, like. I think that's perfect. <laughs> I haven't, that's it. I haven't finalized Thank you. That. No. <laughs> it's between. Hey, listen. It's between Calgary. How about this? One and two is between Calgary and another team whose whose name starts with a C and wears red. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of them in the one or two spot. All right, perfect. People can uh, catch that on the Athletic tomorrow morning. Sean Gentilly, one half of Power Rankings, national writer at the Athletic, one of my co-hosts on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Yeah, talk to you in a few minutes. Okay, bye. We've got a podcast. That's why I say that. We've got to record that in about half an hour. So. Thank you to Sean. There he goes on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive East. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Julian, Sean, Logan, Gordon, as always. 12 games on the schedule Thursday night. Flames and Sabres at 7.30. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock or on demand, as I mentioned, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everyone. It's been Hockey Central on Sports at 960.